you taste my friends. And thank you for tuning in to another edition of Factions of Freedom. I'm your host, Noisera, Freedom Faction, whichever one you prefer, and I have titled this episode, Middle Class Mayhem, COVID Coercion, and Revealing the Sickness. And on that segment, that third segment, I'm definitely not talking about coronavirus. I'm talking about that sick, demonic infestation that we have that's being brought to the surface. Yeah, a power pack transmission as we talk about the Satanic Temple, Bill Clinton, Jeffrey Epstein, COVID-19, as well as the destruction of the middle class. This is an, in, this is an information-packed episode that you are not going to want to miss. It is a snapshot that encapsulates all that 2020 has become. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, we are in the eye of the storm. A few quick updates, and I'll get this episode started for you guys. You may have noticed there was no Instagram Live this week. I go over that this week uh, and talk about how there was no time that allotted for it. But that's okay. Uh, I'm hoping that the time we spent developing the web app will be appreciated as we uh, make it available to you guys either this coming week or the week after next. That's right. We have a lot of different things always queued up and lined up for you guys as we fight the good fight. Uh, But if you guys want to support this operation, think about becoming a Patreon-exclusive member at patreon.com forward slash freedom faction. Join us as we try to make history. And with that being said, let's start the show. Salutations, my friends, and thank you for tuning in to another edition of Factions of Freedom. I'm your host, Noisera, Freedom Faction, whichever one you prefer, and this is show number 1026, season 10, episode 26. We didn't do an Instagram Live this week. My life wouldn't permit it. the time it takes to get prepared, to get uh, everything together. My life just wouldn't permit it this week. You know, I, I, I think that uh, people really underestimate how much work and preparation goes into a single show. And then as well as with Instagram live, right? Week after week, day after day, the submission of self to the social media altar, My life this week wouldn't permit for an Instagram live for two hours to sit down and talk, uh, talk about all this, this stuff with you guys. Let me put it into perspective with you. Give you a little bit of a sneak peek into like where my head is at earlier today. I went for a magnificent walk hike by the river, the river walk with two adorable children. It's fantastic. Played in the river, made mud castles, you know, climbed trees, did all kinds of cute stuff. It was adorable. But the sad part is, is all my mind could think is, shucks, I'm running out of time. What's the news look like? What's going on in the world? I've got to come back and prepare this episode for the podcast. Shucks, I hope too much stuff hasn't happened to where this episode isn't irrelevant. Shucks, I'm not, I hope I'm not irrelevant. 
No, you're not irrelevant. You're right where you need to be. But I can I couldn't even go out and enjoy a simple river walk with children without caring about all this stuff that's going on. And it's not that none of it matters. It's not that it doesn't not matter. It's that it's 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 that there's a time and a place. Coming back from my break, I told you guys how whenever I was out camping in the middle of the woods, I get a message from a childhood friend about this stuff that we're involved in. There's a time and a place. Sometimes I can't go out to certain restaurants in my area because I unknowingly flash the page and now they expect more from me. There's a time and a place. You know, I've given a decent amount of years to this thing that we're doing over here. Right? Exposing uh, satanic ritual abuse, child sex trafficking, going over chemtrails, vaccines, GMO foods, uh, Bayer, Monsanto, AstraZeneca, all of these different companies. I've given a decent amount of my life to this thing here that we're doing. And I'm not complaining. I'm actually very proud. But it's not enough. You get me? The clout that we have, yeah, it's cool. The money that we're making, it's really not anything. <laughs> it's, really, it's not worth the hassle. If anything, it's a proof of concept that money could be made doing what we're doing, but it's really not anything substantial. It's not enough. And I say that not like coming from a capitalist, money-grubbing, uh, materialistic point of view. I'm saying it's not enough because this isn't a child. This isn't my future. This isn't my legacy. This is the moment, right? But this isn't my baby. This isn't something I procreated with. You see, that's what we're doing this for, right? For family, for the future. Breaking this down, trying to understand what our views are, creating a culture that empowers the individual, that, that, that exalts consciousness, right? That brings back these higher uh, mental faculty emotions, chivalry, righteousness, decency, wholesomeness. That's what we're doing it for. Not to sit up over here with virtue signal to people on the internet. No. No one's got time for that. And I think that's kind of how I wanted to start this episode off is telling you guys that as much as I do love doing this and being allowed to take up this type of space in your brain and in your life, there are certain things in my own life that will begin to, that will begin to stop me from doing this. The same way that I started this all by saying that we were unable to do Instagram live because certain things in my life wouldn't allow for it. There, wouldn't, there wasn't time. That's how the future is going to be, not only for myself, but for you as well. And this isn't like school where you get some award for showing up every day, every week. There's going to be certain things going on, not only in my own life, but in the world's life, to where that consistency that we're all used to is not going to be there. I just feel like in some weird way I should let you guys know that there are going to be changes in my life. Uh... And I'll cut the crap, man. You know, like whenever I, whenever we actually do get pregnant over here, I'll tell you guys what's up. I won't be doing any of this. I'll be getting focused. But you get what I'm saying. I say that because the same way that you were habituated to having me show up on your newsfeed every single day and every single week and being there as a constant reminder of what's really going on, what happens whenever I'm gone? What happens when my life doesn't permit for me to be involved in your life? 
Will you take up the mantle? Will you become Freedom Faction? Will you go out there and make others aware or will you not care? Yeah, see, it's not enough. Doing this is great. It's fun. It's powerful. It's empowering and all these things and more, but it's not enough. You know, just last week I was talking with my exclusive members about uh, going out there and street preaching. You know, and we were talking about the psycho-spiritual configuration of humanity. And how even if you went out there to try to preach to people, they would, it's not because you're wearing a mask and carrying a Bible that they don't want to hear it. It's that they house darker spirits, darker entities. They house something inside of them that doesn't want to hear what is wholesome, what is good, what is decent. People have been broken down. So what happens when I'm not here to break these things down to you? Will you take up the mantle and will you go do the work? Will you understand what's required of you? That was another question we were talking about in the exclusive chat. What are we supposed to do? What are people like us supposed to be doing when you've got millions of sheep walking around in a haze, going around like life is normal? Unaware of what? 11 million people facing evictions, right? This is what we went over uh, last week. Close to half of all working age adults in the U.S. not having a job right now. Millions of households having food insecurity, people not having enough money or not, not enough food to eat last week, but you got people going along like everything is normal, buying, spending, and selling. This is crazy. So what did I say to this question in our exclusive members chat? I said, bud, you know, the only thing you can really do is get your house in order. That's all we can do. Get your house in order. Learn some new skills. Do not continue to do the things that you're familiar with. You've got to try to change. It's going to be a lot more uncomfortable coming around the corner. But if you're already in an uncomfortable position, knowing that you can get back to comfortable, I'd rather stay there. I'd rather stay in the uncomfortable position working from that position because I can always be comfortable. I can always go back. It's going forward. That's the hard part. Get your house in order. As I said to you last week, the economy that we have right now is not going to be the economy we have next year. You already see them doing strange things with the election. Of course, as all these massive changes are taking place around the entire nation, you cannot keep the public informed or alarmed. You've got to be subversive. You've got to be subtle. You've got to be casual. You have to be subtle like a serpent. Wise like an owl. And that's exactly what's happening right now. But all I can say is if you see the signs, the writing on the wall, the signs of the time, get your house in order. Don't chase these conspiracies. Don't chase smoke. Don't chase broads. Don't chase dudes. Don't chase drugs. Don't chase these things. Get your house in order. Begin to practice that self-discipline. Begin to practice that self-awareness. And above all else, get closer to God. Because he's telling you what you need to do. The problem is, though, the problem is, though, we're being drowned out by the propaganda. Drowned out by the noise. Drowned out by the distractions. We all suffer from ADD, active distraction disease or disorder, however you prefer it. And so I think that's the best way for me to intro this. I was out there on a hike near the Riverwalk earlier today with kids. And maybe because it's 2020, it told me you need to get your perspectives 
You need to get your house in order. You can come back and you can come do the show. You can come talk to all these people. You can make them aware of stuff. But ultimately, at the end of the day, you need to get your house in order. And that's different for everybody. And you can't tell them what that is. All you can do, my friend, is be like Noah and begin to start building. And if people decide to come help you, marvelous. Lord knows we need the help. And if they don't, keep on, move, keep on moving, man. Keep on moving. I think I want to speak on that now. I'll get into these topics. Think about the persecution Noah faced just before the flood. Hey, what's this guy doing over here in the mountains, out here in the woods? What's he, what's he doing building an ark? <laughs> what a weirdo. What a fruitcake. What a strangely. What are you doing out here building this big old boat? You're one person. You're one family. But you see, even, Mo- uh, even Noah was a drunk. But something was compelling him to do the work. Something was telling him, you don't have much time. You need to move. You need to move. You need to get it done. You need to work. I imagine the persecution Noah felt. Not, not from his peers, not the uncertainty that he felt, I'm sure, from his, famili- from his family, but just imagine the overall persecution he felt. But then you also have to think about what he felt whenever the flood happened, whenever all those people were washed away and the life he knew was gone. Did he prepare? You tell me. And with that being said, Let's start the show. And we'll be going over Jeffrey Epstein's documents, or at least the information regarding Jeffrey Epstein's documents. We might do a separate show uh, on all that. But uh, we're going to be picking up from pe- uh, picking up from Techno Serfdom in this episode. Uh, and if you didn't listen to 1025, where we talked about Techno Serfdom, the technocrats basically coming up after... Uh, the collapse of the country and then buying out, buying it all up for pennies on the dollar. I would definitely go back and recommend you guys uh, look into that. With this one, we're going to be talking about what's going on in the middle class, right? With COVID-19, we have seen one of the biggest wealth divides in history. Jeff Bezos seems to be becoming more and more rich. The technocrats becoming just like our, our, our presidents, our, our, our rulers overnight, you know, the same thing that I've been saying throughout the entirety of the COVID-19 hoax or the COVID-19 pandemic, who stands to benefit the telecom and the telehealth industries? Uh, who stands to lose? Us, the common people, the middle class, right? The mom and pop shops, the entrepreneurs, the business owners. Picking up from the techno serfdom, we really have to look at what is happening to society. You've got them paying people to not work taking out inexplicable amounts of debt, <laughs> right? Trump said he was here to end the national debt. He put us in like $8 trillion more. Really look at what's happening to the economy right here. Bam. Greg Manorino says that the Fed is, quote, trying to kill what's left of the middle class. This is put up by uh, Max Lava over there, SHTF plan on August 3rd. It says the Federal Reserve, with the help of their puppets in the government, is trying to kill what's left of the middle class. This should be obvious by now, and yet people are still walking around more afraid of a virus than opening their eyes to what's happening. Who would have thought that a face mask over the mouth 
and nose could cause such epic, such epic blindness. Greg Manorino has been pointing out the goals of the Federal Reserve for years now. It's all come to fruition, and in order to own the world, they must eliminate the middle class. You see, because when you work for yourself the same way that growing vegetables and now, you know, with me having chickens, have it, it's like printing your own money. Same thing with water and any other type of commodity, minerals, resources, or things that you can create and sell because you free yourself from this system of slavery. That's why they want to put us all in massive amounts of debt so they can not only have us in chains, but our children as well. Yeah, that money is free for you, but does it cost your children their future? Continuing on, it says that they are going for small businesses and have 50% of those gone already. Quote, maybe they're going for, I don't know, 75 or 100% while corporate America right now is stronger than it's ever been. Wake up, people. This is all done by design. It's a century-old plan to own and rule the entire world. Continue, just to put a pause on this, this is also why I talked about the corporate communist takeover. The culture that we're going up against is not, like, this is why we talked about this with Craig Fitzgerald, uh, where we talked about the subversion of the West and that cultural Marxism. They have infiltrated corporations to get the corporations to carry out these type of uh, 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 switches, if that makes sense. Continuing on, it says, it's in our face and it's no shock, as Marino of the corporations and the government merging together via the Federal Reserve. They are no longer hiding their agenda. There will be no middle class in the New World Order. They need poverty-stricken slaves only, while they sit at the top and rule to the world. It's pretty sad for most people still haven't figured it out yet, and we can still go cast a ballot in November thinking that the Federal Reserve hasn't already selected the puppet they will use for the next four years. The only reason there are two political parties is to give people the illusion of choice. This should go without saying. But so many are still stuck in a paradigm that will wholly enslave and impoverish them unless they wake up to it and soon. It's critical to use Manorino's word. Basically, we don't control the outcome of elections. The central banks do. If for one second the Federal Reserve sees Biden as more being, quote, on board with their epic distribution of debt and credit, he will be the next president. Trump could still be reelected because he's incredibly effective at helping the central bank take over the planet. Pay attention to what's happening right now. It's happening all in front of our faces. Now, you go talk to people about this. They don't understand it. But they see, oh, coin shortages. What's up with that? Hey, meat shortages. What's up with that? I can still, you know, Netflix and I can still go to all these stores. What's, what, what's wrong with the economy? That's how insulated we are, is that we're, we're insulated and ignorant, if you want the truth. Uh, one of my exclusive members said, what are we supposed to do with all this? They live out there in Cali. My response to them was, well, Cali has all the money to where they can be ignorant. They don't have to be aware of this stuff. But for someone like myself who's thinking about all this stuff, I can see, I can see the, the, the subtle hints everywhere. I can't, uh, that isn't a luxury that I can't afford. And I don't think that other people should afford it as well, because again, it plays a larger, it plays a larger part in this agenda that we're talking about right here. We this we put this up last week, uh, July thirtieth. Economic and food supply chain disruptions endanger the global food security. This is over there at, at, at Natural Blaze. It says COVID nineteen has left a global economic slowdown that is affecting all four pillars of food security, availability, access, utilization, and stability according to a new article from researchers at the International Food Policy Research Institute. 
published in the journal Science. Agricultural and food markets are facing continuous disruptions due to labor shortages caused by lockdowns, as well as large shifts in food demand arising from, lo- from income losses and the closure of schools and restaurants. The key findings highlight the impact of COVID-19 on food systems, the global economy, poverty, health, and trade. Quote, the most important impact of pandemic on food security is through the income declines that put food across uh, food access at risk, said article co-author and IFPRI Director General Johan Swinnen. Quote, this is especially a concern for the extremely poor who spend an average of about 70% of their total income on food. The extremely poor, 70% of their income goes straight to food. Straight to it. Now, remember whenever we're breaking down the types of warfare, both spiritual, psychological, emotional, right, cultural, drug warfare, and now we've talked about financial warfare. This all ties into Maslow's hierarchy of needs. If 70% of these people's income goes towards their food, there's no way that they can reach that self-actualization point in life. There's no way that they can actually thrive. They're too busy trying to survive. Extremely poor people, do we care about them? You ever look at the homeless and think that you might be them one day? It could happen. Continuing on, it says the International Monetary Fund projects a 5% decline in the world economy in 2020, a deeper global recession than during 2008 to 2009 financial crisis. Model-based simulations by the IFPRI suggest that such a deep recession would push 150 million more people into extreme poverty, an increase of 24% from current levels. Most of the rise in poverty will be concentrated in the sub-Saharan Africa and South Asia. Quote, disruptions in food systems both contribute to increases in poverty by affecting a critical source of income for many of the world's poor and also exacerbate the impacts of poverty by reducing access to food, particularly nutritious foods, said Swinen. Yeah, being cute and vegan is some some rich world first-person stuff that most people don't have the luxury to do. The researchers note that the income declines will particularly affect consumption of nutrition-rich foods such as fruits, vegetables, and animal source products. New evidence from Ethiopia confirms this impact and further indicates that it is expected to increase micronutrient deficiencies among its populations, contributing to poor health and a greater susceptibility to COVID-19. That's right. If you're sick, if you're not getting proper food, you're going to die. What did we talk about just last week, right? or whenever we cover COVID-19, people that have comorbidity rates are often the ones that die because they are immunocompromised. You know, we talk about it all the time, how important your health is. I mean, I, and, and I think you guys, the audience, have noticed this uh, because I am like a spiritual person. For people that have been following for a while, <laughs> you've heard me become somebody that focuses like on nutrition and health and stuff like that. It wasn't something that was important to me. It only became important because I thought that, wow, if I got my body cleaner, maybe that would take away some of that fog whenever I would begin to pray to God. Maybe if my body was cleaner, I could receive even more stronger signals and and communications and messages from God. That's how my mind interpreted it at the time. Fast forward to where we're at now. Yeah. You have to understand that your body's nutrition, your biochemistry is important. You don't want to, 
so many people are nutrient in iodine. It is crazy. And there are IQ points that are lost because of this. So I'm digressing. But food insecurity messes with people. It makes them unable to work. Like we were saying before, 70% of their income goes towards food. They're, they're, They're working to survive. This is what they mean by the extreme poor. Now, we don't think that's going to happen here, right? What did I talk about just last week? Millions of people facing evictions over the next four months. Half of the working age people here in America not working. But we're not talking about that. This is still middle class mayhem picking up from the techno serfdom. So what we're talking about is Pittsburgh launching a guaranteed income program with the Twitter CEO. That's right, with Jack Dorsey. He's talking about universal basic income. So what about there in sub-Saharan Africa or out there in South Asia? You think they got a Jack Dorsey walking around to where he's like, yeah, I got some extra money. I'll give it to you, Pittsburghians. It doesn't work like that. Techno serfdom. You see, as we all decided to stop working because we were allowed that luxury, we were afforded that luxury that's quickly being eroded and going away, the third world doesn't have that luxury, so they're dying. You, 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 you get me? Let me read this right here. This comes from Fox Business, but it was reposted over there at Technocracy News. They put this up August 4th. Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey, a committed technocrat, is promoting universal basic income with his own money in multiple cities around America, including Pittsburgh, Seattle, Atlanta, and Los Angeles. UBI is a long-standing idea from Technocracy Inc. dating back to the 1930s. Pittsburgh Mayor Bill Paduto announced that his city is now participating in a program receiving funding from Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey in which eligible residents will receive $500 in monthly guaranteed income. The money used to start the program will come from funds Dorsey gave that is allowing Pittsburgh and 15 other cities to help those with struggling help those who are struggling during the economic crisis brought about by the coronavirus pandemic. Quote a number of people in the city of Pittsburgh will be choosing to be able to receive a monthly stipend, basically a debit card, Peduto told KDKA. He did not specify how many people qualify, but he did outline, the, outline how the criteria would look. Peduto said that he wants to give the monthly payments to those who are currently struggling and who would be able to improve their lives with it. He is also looking forward to awarding the money to people of different backgrounds and demographics so that a study could be conducted to analyze how it works. Quote, this is one tool to close the wealth and income gap, leave systemic race and gender inequalities, and create economic security for families, Dorsey tweeted about the program earlier this month. Dorsey gifts, uh, Dorsey's gift is benefiting cities including Atlanta, Seattle, and Los Angeles, whose mayors form the network Mayors for Guaranteed Income. The group was launched by Stockton, California Mayor Michael Tubbs, who launched his own guaranteed income back in 2018, which we covered over here on the show. So think about this. Jack Dorsey thinks he's slick, right? Sliding in universal basic income, guaranteed income. He's doing the very same thing that Trump did. Except this time, you're not beholden to the government. You're beholden to a corporation. And of course, they want to give it to people with different backgrounds because they want to be able to say, okay, how are other people going to think about this welfare, this Twitter fare? This is, this is Twitter traffic, right? Paying for this. So now we, again, have the corporatocracy, people who are going to be loyal to corporations because those corporations bailed them out, not government. Yeah, Pittsburgh may have allowed for it to happen, 
Oh, but it was our technocratic overseer, George uh, Jack Dorsey, who was able to make it happen. What do you what do you think the uh, what do you think the costs for that is? Right, that kind of money. They're not just going to give you money. They want to be able to track it. They want to be able to see how it goes. Right. This is the technocracy. This is the social credit score system. This is universal basic income. This is cryptocurrency. This is the cashless society. You see how many different things are working here? Middle class mayhem, destroying the middle class, forcing us into poverty. But here comes Jack Dorsey. He's got money for you. Here comes Elon Musk, who has a job for you. Here comes Bill Gates, who has a shot for you. Here comes uh, Mark Zuckerberg saying, I've got a place where you can speak your views if you align with me. But let's, let's take it a step further, as we typically like to do. Look at this right here. Singapore to force travelers to wear electronic tags to enforce quarantine. So the leap that I'm trying to make here is what happens whenever your digital credits, right, your universal basic income is tied to your electronic tag. Now, we're doing a little bit of a, little bit of a bridge here because we'll cover COVID-19 in the next segment. But let's just think about this real quick. That Singapore is forcing travelers to wear electronic tags to enforce their quarantine. V says this row of tables is where travelers receive their briefings about stay-home notices before they go on to clear immigration. Now, in future, travelers will also receive these two devices. This is a wristband that they have to wear for the entirety of the 14-day stay-home notice. And it communicates with this gateway device that plugs into a wall socket. Now, both of these devices have to be registered and activated on a phone app within a certain amount of time after arriving in Singapore. Currently, we pay our person service stay home notice a visit every other alternate days. With the role of the electronic monitoring system, we expect that the enforcement regime will shift from paying them regular visits to responding only when there is a potential violation that's being detected. The data transmitted is protected via end-to-end -end encryption. There is no personal data stored in the devices. We also abide strictly to the public sector data security policy. Only authorized government officials will be allowed access to the system. Your iWatch. If you guys have one, your iWatch is uh, going to be able to detect your COVID-19 activity. So do, do you get that right there? Now, it's not necessarily universal basic income, but you get what I'm trying to explain to you, right? The world is changing. They're treating people with haves and the have-nots a little bit differently, you see. So what happens if, say, let's just say that you didn't put the tag on. Let's just say that you went to Singapore, you wanted to have a good time, you didn't uh, want to abide by the rules. Well, you might get the cops called on you or you might get the National Guard in response to you out here in America. And what I'm trying to say is this next article headline, the National Guard will respond to COVID-19 and facilitate economic recovery until December 31st, 2020. 
So as we've talked about already over here in middle class mayhem, you know, the Fed's trying to get rid of the middle class, uh, economic and food dis- uh, supply chain disruptions, uh, people not working, people not having a place to go. This picture that I tried to paint for you guys last week. Now, this week, we have information coming out about how the National Guard is going to be deployed to facilitate economic recovery. The protests and the riots and the stuff that you see happening out there already, that's only the beginning. We're going to begin to see more and more of this destabilization take place. So it says until December 31st, we'll see what the country's like around that time frame. But uh, let me get into this article. It's by Shepard Ambellis. They put this up August 4th. It comes from IntelliHub. And it says President Trump, President Donald Trump, issued a memorandum on Monday which expands the use of the National Guard by authorizing guardsmen to respond to COVID-19 while at the same time allowing for the facilitation of economic recovery in the United States, i.e. society breaks down more and more and more National Guard will be on the streets. The carefully crafted memo addressed the Secretary of Defense and the Secretary of Homeland Security uses the Stanford Act along with Section 502 of of Title 32, United States Code, quote, to foster close cooperation and mutual assistance between federal government and the states and the territories in the battle against the threat posed by the spread of COVID-19, especially as the United States transitions to a period of increased economic activity and recovery in those areas of the nation where the threat posed by COVID-19 has been sufficiently mitigated. The memo goes on to state as if fact that, quote, hotspots will indeed, quote, emerge as if the administration is telegraphing what is to come. And then it talks about uh, the different states where this is going to go down. And so basically what, what we're talking about is them setting up how to deal with the middle class. This is what I'm saying about middle class mayhem, techno serfdom. There's only so much that these technocrats can do. And you're having government come in to clean up the rest. Uh, this is truly mind-blowing on so many different levels. It really, truly is. And now uh, I want to bring your attention to an article that we posted up last week, more of this uh, National Guard military involvement with COVID-19 and all this other crazy stuff. I just want to briefly mention this, but uh, an interesting article came up about how vaccine distribution will be a joint venture between the CDC and the Pentagon. <laughs> it's, 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 it's like you have the government, it's like you have the CDC over here doing shady stuff and the Pentagon having to watch the CDC to make sure that they don't mess up any of these things. And when we cover what's going on with COVID-19 in the next segment, we'll talk about how, uh, vac- how, how, how companies are actually becoming exempt from, being fr- from, from vaccines. Like, it's crazy. But uh, let me read a little bit of this. It comes from, the Judge Report feed, we put this up July 30th. It says the plan breaks with the long-standing precedent that the CDC distributes vaccines during major outbreaks through a centralized ordering system. Nationwide distribution of any co- of COVID-19 vaccine will be a, quote, joint venture between the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, which typically oversees vaccine allocation, and the Department of Defense, a senior administration official said today. The DOD is, quote, handling all the logistics of getting the vaccines to the right place at the right time in the right condition, the official said in a call with reporters, adding that the CDC will remain, of, will remain in charge of tracking any side effects that emerge 
post-vaccination, and, quote, some of the communications through the state relationships and the state public health organizations. They're already expecting and anticipating for there to be negative side effects. That's what they're already anticipating. Uh, the plan breaks with the long-standing precedent that the CDC distributes vaccines during major outbreaks, such as the bad flu seasons, through a centralized ordering system for the state and local health officials. Quote, we believe we've actually combined the best of both, the official said. A, senior, a second senior administration office official stressed the agencies would be working as, quote, one team to distribute hundreds of millions of doses if any of the vaccines in development are approved in the coming months. Private companies are likely are also likely to join the effort. The first official said the government is bringing in people to integrate CDC IT capabilities with, quote, some new applications that we're going to need that the CDC never had. The background says that the Pentagon will be guiding not just distribu- distribution logics, but also manufacturing and kitting the process of safely packaging a vaccine with this necessary equipment, such as syringes and needles. Quote, the DOD is handling all of these logistics. That is where there is comparative advantage is, uh, said this to the first senior official and the CDC, some of their IT systems relationships with the states following post vaccinations will belong to them. The Pentagon chief spokesperson, Jonathan Hoffman, told reporters earlier in the day that distribution would, quote, be a collaborative process between the private sector and the military. So there you have it. They are they are rushing. Not like Vladimir Putin, but they are rushing to make sure that you guys get these clean vaccines. I guess I want to see them roll up their sleeves first and take it. I guess I don't trust them. I guess I don't trust the government rushing to put something in my in my system, knowingly that knowing that it's going to cause bad reactions and side effects. You already have a table, a team of people ready to quarantine me. And you're already telling me the vaccine companies are going to be exempt from liability if if I get a bad reaction. So you're just going to poison me, monitor me and not help me. That's shady. That's shady. But again, with this middle class mayhem, this stuff that's happening in the peripheral, people not really being able to pay attention, uh, these 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 that explosion that went off in Beirut this week, the fire that got started in the Emirati uh, marketplace, because of all of this stuff, the underground bunker business is booming as global events are spiraling out of control. This article comes from the End Times headlines. It's by Ricky Scaparo. They put this up August fourth, and what do you think it's going to say? What do you think it's going to say? Not the deep underground military bases, right? That's the conspiracy that's going on out there that all those uh, unexploding noises you're hearing or are bases being ex- exploded and children being rescued. If that's the case, then why are, why are underground bunkers still booming? <laughs> it's because people are getting away. Remember, remember when we covered that? That was another one accused, like infamous drops when all these... CEOs disappeared. It's because they're running away. They see what's happening to the middle class. They see the Black Lives Matter protests. They see the Antifas. They know it's coming. And so they're running. I'm only going to read a little bit of this to, again, paint that picture for you. You've got to understand where we're at right now. This is, again, picking up off of techno serfdom, that middle class mayhem. Uh, It says, this is a really good time to be selling underground bunkers. The COVID-19 pandemic, civil unrest in the the United States, uh, and concern about what else may be coming have combined to create a tremendous amount of demand for, quote, survival real estate. 
In all my years of writing, I have never seen anything like this. I have been hearing from so many people that suddenly feel a great urgency to prepare for a total collapse of society, and quite a few of them have either recently relocated or plan to do so in the near future. For some, moving entirely out of the country seems like the best option, but for most others, the goal is to find a way to survive the coming chaos here in the United States. Of course, a lot of people are still tied to the major population centers by their jobs, and for a lot of those individuals, a, quote, survival bunker is a remote location that they can bug out to if things get crazy enough is an attractive option. In South Dakota, one company has established, quote, the largest survival community on Earth, and the New York Post recently interviewed a 69-year-old man named Tom Soulsby that purchased one of the very first underground bunkers in the community. Tom Soulsby, 69, and his wife, Mary, were one of the first to buy a bunker at Vivix Exploit, the self-proclaimed, quote, largest survival community on Earth. Near the South Dakota town of Edgemont in 2017, he made a $25,000 down payment and signed a 99-year land lease with fees of $1,000 per year to occupy an elliptical-shaped 2,200-square-foot underground concrete bunker once used as a military fortress during World War II to store weapons and ammunition. For a while there, sales were not happening too briskly, but then 2020 happened, and at that point, sales of uh, underground bunkers at Vivos X-Point are up 600%. When Soulsby signed on the dotted line, he was one of the handful of new owners, but in 2020, Vivos X-Point has become hotly sought after real estate. The price has jumped to 35000 says Robert Vicino, the California developer and CEO of, of the Vivos Group, which launched in 2008, and bunker sales are up six. Hundred percent, six hundred percent. Could it be these explosions that are happening around the world? Could it be the COVID nineteen? Could it be people wanting to run away from society, saying, "I don't want to deal with being virtue signaled to. I don't want to be told to wear a mask." I don't want to be having to rush out to do. I don't. I, I, people not wanting to deal with it. The collapse of society is a real thing. Men not wanting to be men. Women not wanting to be women. Nobody wanting to work. Everybody wanting everything for free. Bunch of nihilists and Marxists and Satanists <laughs> saying that they hate themselves and hate God and hate everything. You're gonna try to figure out a way to still have your amenities and your freedoms, minus these people. There is destabilization on our horizons. <laughs> what do you mean on our horizons? It's already here. <laughs> it's, it's already here. You know, before coming on to the air, I was trying to get a video together uh, that happened a couple weeks ago, actually, of Black Lives Matter protesters that were going inside of churches saying, Jesus don't love you. You know, just 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 berating people while they're sitting in church. You know, like what domestic domestic terrorists do. But this is because, again, of people being whipped into an emotional frenzy, being allowed to do this, the social contract being broken, and people not seeing anything wrong with this. Let me play for you guys just real quick clip. This is Donald Trump uh, threatening to send the National Guard to Portland to disperse the quote beehive of terrorists. Uh, referring to Antifa. So what happened is our people are staying there to see whether or not they can do it today and tomorrow. And if they don't do it, we will 
send in the National Guard and we'll take care of it. And we're telling right now these protesters, and many should be arrested, because these are professional agitators, these are professional anarchists, these are people that hate our country. We're telling them right now that we're coming in very soon. The National Guard, a lot of people, a lot of very tough people, and these are not people that just have to guard the courthouse and save it. These are people that are allowed to go forward and do what they have to do. And I think that makes the governor's job and the mayor's job a lot easier. So they're working today and probably tomorrow to clean out uh, this beehive of, of terrorists. And if they do it, I'm going to be very happy. And then slowly we can start to leave the city. If they don't do it, we'll be sending in the National Guard. Please. And that's exactly what I talked about. The National Guard responding to COVID-19 as well as helping to facilitate some of the economic recovery that's going on there, making sure that people don't wild out so things get back to normal. But how can it get back to normal when you're putting things on the streets? But you see, what Donald Trump was just referring to right there was this clip I'm going to play for you guys of rioters in Portland assaulting officers and setting fire to the police union building. Protest outside of the police association headquarters in North Portland, a riot. This follows items being thrown at officers, shots being fired, and even a truck ramming barricade created by the protesters. Elise Haas joins us live with a timeline of what happened overnight, Elise. Sorry, Ken, I'm having a hard time hearing on my IFB, but just 30 minutes ago, Portland police released new information about the protests in North Portland last night outside of the Portland Police Association building, and they declared that situation a riot around 1.30 this morning. That is after they say that protesters broke into the Portland Police Association building, damaged the office, and then set fire to that building. Portland police say that 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 break-in is under investigation. Portland police say that they are also investigating someone firing shots at a nearby convenience store around 1230. You can hear those shots going off in that video. The Coin 16 was there when the shots were fired from a car it sped away. According to police, a fight broke out in the parking lot of the convenience store, just a block away from the Portland Police Association building. Officers say right before those shots were fired that there were even more gunfire. They say one on a nearby mobile street, one car was hit multiple times. No one was hurt in either incident. And then, just before 11.20, a truck was seen flying through a line of fences the protesters had dragged into the street. The truck had sparks flying everywhere because a motorcycle was stuck underneath it. No one was hurt in this incident as well. Officers say they spoke with that driver and the incident is under investigation. And Portland police are saying that they did not use any tear gas last night to disperse the crowds and everything ended up clearing up about 3.30 in the morning. Reporting live, Elise Haas, Queen 6 News. Wow, that is remarkable video. Elise, thank you. Protest outside Crazy. of the Police Association headquarters in North Portland, a riot. Yeah, so that's why Donald Trump's saying that, yeah, I might, I, I, I could send the National Guard to help clean stuff up over there. Th things are getting kind of crazy. Yeah, 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 no doubt. 
But you've got to ask yourself, these poor, the, they've already had the protests for George Floyd. Chaz and Chop have already like come and gone. What are they out here for anymore? Why is this stuff happening? Who's carrying this stuff out? 60 plus days, almost coming up on 70 days worth of protesting. What are these people doing? And, and, and I'm sure people are asking the question themselves. They don't know what they're doing because there's nothing for them to do. There's a second wave of layoffs coming. Food prices are rising. Inflation's coming right around the corner. Like I talked about with you guys just last week, 11 million evictions right around the corner. Think about this picture that's being painted. They're, they're allowing for these people to go out there and cause this destabilization, cause this chaos because they want that to be the new normal. They're not going to call these people out on their behavior saying this isn't the way that we should be doing this because they want people to be degenerate. They want them to be dehumanized. They want them to get killed. They want this culture out there. And who is more emblematic of this than Joe Biden? Who's more <laughs> emblematic of this type of mindless lunacy, babbling mayhem than Joe Biden? I'm going to play for you guys this quick clip and then we're going to take a break. But it's Joe Biden stumbling over his words, <laughs> saying that he doesn't need to take a cognitive test. He asks the interviewer, are you on crack cocaine? And then you begin to see him just deteriorate from there. The Vice President, your opponent in this election, President Trump, has made your mental state a campaign topic. And when asked in June if you've been tested um, for cognitive decline, you've responded that you're constantly tested in, in, in effect because you're in situations like this on the campaign trail. But please clarify specifically, have you taken a cognitive no, test? No, I haven't taken a test. Why the hell would I take a test? Come on, man. That's like saying you, before you got in this program, you take a test where you're taking cocaine or not. What do you think, huh? Or are you a joke? What do you say to President Trump, who brags about his test and makes your mental state an issue for voters? Well, if he can't figure out the difference between an elephant and a lion, I don't know what the hell he's talking about. Did you watch that? Look, come on, man. I, I, I know you're trying to goad me, but I mean, I'm so forward looking to have an opportunity to sit with the president or stand with the president in debates. There's going to be plenty of time. And by the way, as I joke with him, you know, it, I, I shouldn't say it. I'm going to say something I, don't, I, I probably shouldn't say. Anyway, I am, uh, I am very willing to let the American public judge my physical and mental fit, my physical as well as my mental fit, fitness. And uh, to, uh, you know, to make a judgment about who I am. Mr. Vice President, your opponent in this election, President Trump, has made your mental state a campaign topic. And when asked in June if you've been tested um, for cognitive decline, you've responded that you're constantly tested in, in effect because you're in situations like this on the campaign trail. But please clarify specifically, have you taken a cognitive no, test? No, I haven't taken a test. Why the hell would I take a test? Come on, man. That's like saying you, before you got in this program, you take a test where you're taking cocaine or not. What do you think, huh? Or are you a joke? What do you say to <laughs> President Trump? Dude, I'm telling you, brags this man is deteriorating in front of us. Why would I take a test? Isn't that what he said? To take a test. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking about What's going on in COVID-19 where they're trying to force people uh, to take tests? So, yeah, Joe Biden, I think you need to be tested for your cognitive decline. 
but I also don't think that we should be tested for this COVID-19 nonsense. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll be getting into this and more on the other side. Ladies and gentlemen, don't go anywhere. This is Freedom Faction over here on Factions of Freedom, and we'll be right back right after this.
Welcome back. Welcome back. You know, we, 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 we typically get fired up over here because we cover a lot of material. And it also sometimes becomes a little disorienting trying to act like this isn't uh, upsetting. I like to, I, I played that clip for you guys of uh, Bill Gates or of um, Joe Biden <laughs> losing his mind. Because it's, it's, it's true, it's evident. He is emblematic of what we are going up against. Mindless, rambling lunacy that forgets where they are half the time. Every time he opens up a mouth, every time he opens up his mouth, it's like a gaff. He's got his foot in his mouth. It lives there. And we ask ourselves, why do we listen to this? Why do we tolerate this? Because it's been selected. And so whenever I was saying get your house in order, think about where we're at these days, what's going on. Shucks, I, I wish I could figure out that prophecy where it talks about only 45 American presidents being selected and how after that, like, the country doesn't exist and that's where we're at right now. Get your house in order. Joe Biden is an empty vessel and a placeholder for people that are going to come after him. It's, it, is, it, is, it is so crazy to see them prop up this skeleton, shove him full of Botox and cocaine, put him out there for him to rapidly degenerate as they try to prop him up acting like everything's okay. And this is what's going on like with our current political system, with our with with with, with our current political system, with our psycho-spiritual configuration, that's why we're like this. It's because people are desperately seeking for a, for a, a a a political solution to a deep spiritual problem. We have delusional people running rampant right now. We have people that are not well making decisions for us. And because we have weak leaders, we ourselves have become toxic and venomous following these weak, broken, and destitute people. That's why we have to reject them. We have to deny them at every point. We have to detach and divest ourselves from this system. We have, we have effectively been disenfranchised from our power because we have become dependent upon people, vampires, snakes in suits, that tell us they have our best interest. And because we have been so belittled and broken down, we are unable to see that these are devils. It's truly crazy. So yeah, I wanted to play that quick clip of Joe Biden <laughs> losing his mind so people really understand what the problem was. Right? It's not Joe Biden so much as it's what, what he represents. The same way that Bill Gates isn't the problem, it's what he represents. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and principalities in high places and it's who these people represent that we're going up against with that being said uh, let's start this segment covid coercion wow again what these people represent there's an article uh where it's about uh, what is it? it's it's like yale and the government trying to figure out how best it could persuade americans to take the covid19 vaccine it's like they have a whole, they have like a whole little list of things to go down, different ways to try to guilt trip you essentially into taking the vaccine. They have, sci- they have scientists, uh, uh, psychological operation scientists, social engineers, behavior modifiers that literally try to figure out how many different ways they can get you to take this shot. Here, let me, let me, let me just come at you. Let me just read a little bit of this and then I'll go through this the right way. 
They have a control message, a baseline message, a personal freedom message, an economic freedom message, a self-interest message, a community interest message, an economic benefit message, a guilt message, embarrassment message, an anger message, a truth in science, a trust in science message, and you're not brave message. It says that the study looked at around 4,000 participants aged 18 years and up, all of whom had to be U.S. residents, of course. The various arms used in the study when it came to the messaging, and that's what I wrote to you right there. Different ways for them to convince you to take the shot. Oh, you're not, you're you're uh, you're not brave enough to take a COVID nineteen vac shot, right? Wow, you're 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 not the uh, you don't care about the economy to take this vaccine shot, right? You don't want to send kids to, back to school, so you don't want to get this shot, right? Think about this. They are psychologically wargaming you to coerce, coerce you into doing what they want. It's crazy. But here, let me start this segment off the right way, uh, the way that I had had it prepared. Let me start off by what's going on over there in Melbourne, Melbourne, Australia. Right, right there. Hundreds of police surround tower blocks to enforce the COVID-19 lockdown. It says residents are ordered to stay at the same place they slept last night for six weeks. And we've talked about that. And in, in, in uh, Australia, they have mandatory vaccinations for children in, inside a daycare. Uh, they also have the no jab, no pay system where you don't get paid uh, your monthly stipend or sometimes even at your place of employment without receiving your vaccine. They have a similar thing for children where they have the no jab, no play, where you're unable to put your child inside a daycare unless they have the vaccine. Now, again, at the start of the year, we talked about how the United Nations or uh, not the United Nations, uh, the World Health Organization ran a summit where they were talking about vaccine safety and how people were able to be aware that that they can't trust vaccines. Fast forward to where we're at now, we have Event 201 where they war game COVID-19. Uh, COVID-19 happens, and now we have all this stuff happening with GlaxoSmithKline, AstraZeneca, Johnson & Johnson, all these other big pharma companies trying to get involved with the production of, of, of vaccines, and now people want that, that trust up again. You've got to understand the sophistication of this. But again, I digress. Let me start by playing this video clip, and then we'll continue on from there. This is more of that COVID-1984 nonsense. We put this up August 3rd. It comes from Paul Joseph Watson over there at Summit.News. Let's continue. Their last moments of freedom before the curfew came into effect. The new measures are the country's strictest to date. Melbourne is already under a six-week lockdown, but the infection numbers are still rising. Victoria's premier has now declared a state of disaster. Uh, we can no longer have people uh, visiting others. We can no longer have people simply out and about uh, for no good reason whatsoever. Uh, it is not an easy decision to make, but it is the decision that is necessary, and that is why I have made it. Uh, and that's why uh, police will be out in force, and you will be stopped, and you will be asked, and you will need to demonstrate that you are lawfully out, and that you are not breaching that curfew. The Premier said people are not taking the virus seriously enough. Officials reported that one quarter of those who recently tested positive had violated lockdown rules. Authorities now have greater powers over Melbourne's 5 million residents. 
Additional restrictions for workplaces are to be announced on Monday. The latest stay-at-home order will be in effect for at least six weeks. For more on this story, I'm joined by Andre Leslie. He's a journalist with the Australian Broadcasting Corporation in Sydney. Andre, why has Melbourne in particular been so badly affected when compared with the rest of the country? Rebecca, I think it's pretty generally acknowledged that it's got something to do with some of these early outbreak cases around the quarantine hotels. As people were coming back into Australia after COVID-19 broke out around the world, Australia was able to control the outbreaks here pretty well, I think, as, as maybe some viewers know. But what happened in the quarantine hotels in Victoria was that private security firms were used to look after people in those hotels uh, standards weren't maintained, and from there, COVID-19 went out into the community. Uh, it then spread into some public housing estates in northern Melbourne, which are a little bit more prevalent in those parts of Australia's second biggest city. And, uh, and then there was a big problem with family gatherings as well. Um, so those three factors seem to play a particular role in Victoria, uh, which didn't happen in other states. Now... Uh, the Victorian Premier, Daniel Andrews, says people have been going to work too much over the last couple of weeks when they should have known better, when they were either feeling slightly unwell or they were in close contact with someone with coronavirus. So a little bit of now a shifting of personal blame onto people as well. Okay, now this is, of course, a second lockdown. Uh, Australia was in an initial lockdown when most of the rest of the world also was. Now this is an even more uh, tightening of the restrictions from the first and an extension of that lockdown. Now, can the economy cope with this extension? Well, you'd expect that the nighttime economy won't be able to cope. In Victoria, if uh, in Melbourne, they're shutting down from 8pm till 5am every night, which they're going to do now for six weeks. I think they'll be very affected I think restaurants and things like that will struggle. They'll probably do some takeaway and those sorts of things. Cafes, a big part of Melbourne life, uh, will probably shut down uh, in many parts. Supermarkets and, and basic services will continue. But the question for many Victorians is what sort of business will be deemed essential? And I think that's getting reviewed over the next 48 hours so they can give some clarity to people as to whether they can keep their business running or not. All right, journalist Andre Leslie in Sydney, thanks very much for the update. Thanks, Andre. Thanks, mate. Yeah, this is, uh, this is crazy to think about the economic and social impacts of just this virus and what's happening to the nation. But we, we initially had played that clip for you guys, talk about the people in Melbourne being surrounded by police and being forced to go back inside of their houses. Uh, so let me get into this article. It says a resident of Melbourne, Australia, described how, quote, hundreds of police surrounded tower blocks to prevent people from leaving their homes immediately after the government announced a strict new coronavirus lockdown. Under the new rules, which were introduced in response to a spike in COVID-19 across the state of Victoria, residents were told, quote, where you slept last night is where you will need to stay for the next six weeks. A curfew has been imposed between the hours of 8 a.m. or 8 p.m. to 5 a.m. Uh, only the, by only one person is allowed to leave their house per day to pick up essential items and must stay within five kilometers of their residence. For the website LockdownSkeptics.org, a Melbourne resident described how the draconian nature of the lockdown was, in, was used to enforce people immediately descending on residential areas to prevent people from going outside. Quote, Lockdown 2.0 was quickly imposed... A few post, postcode areas, 
posted postcode areas first, then all the metropolitan Melbourne. A concern to anyone who values their liberty had to be the total lockdown of a number of housing commission apartments, blocks within zero notice, or blocks with with zero notice. Wow, that's I'm, I'm gonna just stop there because that's getting butchered. But you get what I'm saying. This COVID coercion, the lockdowns, are dangerous. Not only because they affect the economy, but people's mindsets as well. I think that should really go like what I was saying. Suicide's been up. We've talked about that. They said that they've seen at least a year's worth of suicide in, in the in the past four weeks. That's why they had to let it out. It's very crazy to see just the amount of control that these people are casually able to exert uh, and that people are just going along with. Still staying in Melbourne to paint a picture of what's happening right here. The police can now enter homes without a warrant to carry out spot checks. So this is, again, no-knock raids, warrantless searches, all in the name of COVID-1984. This is also posted over there at Summit.News. It's by Paul Joseph Watson. It says authorities get draconian powers of after the state of disaster was announced. It says police in Melbourne, Australia, now have the power to enter people's homes without a warrant and perform spot checks to enforce compliance with the new coronavirus lockdown rules. After the state of Victoria announced a, quote, state of disaster in response to a spike in coronavirus cases, Premier of the state, Daniel Andrews, told residents that, quote, we can no longer have people simply out and about for no good reason whatsoever. In addition to an 8 to 8 p.m. to 5 a.m. curfew, the residents can only leave their homes outside those hours to shop for food and essential items, carry out care and caregiving, as well as daily exercise and work. The new powers also give police the right to, quote, enter your home to carry out spot checks, even if you don't give them permission and they don't have a warrant, reports LockdownSkeptics.org. Controls on buying have also been introduced, restricting citizens to purchase of no more than two of certain essential items, including dairy, meat, vegetables, fish, and toilet paper. As we highlighted earlier, immediately after the government announced the new draconian measures, police in the hundreds of positioned themselves around residential tower blocks to ensure no one could leave. People were then told that they must stay in the residence in which they slept for the previous night for the next six weeks. Anyone who violates the new rules will face a fine of up to $1,600 or 1652 an amount which is set to increase. So this is what I mean by mandating poverty. Uh, and, and, and you heard one of the reporters there saying that I guess too many people went to work. I guess too many people went to work, so there were spikes happening. Too many people went to work too frequently, too often. So <laughs> now these spikes are happening. It's like, what? People are going to work because you told them not to work for extended periods of time and they need to work. And because the spikes are coming back again, oh shucks, looks like you got to stay inside your house. Remember what we were talking about just in the previous segment? Being paid not to work? Eight, a record $8 trillion being spent on this whole deal? And it's still not enough. We're about to go into bankrupt. This, this, is, this is monumental. This is historic. That's why you probably have the World Economic Forum talking about things like the Great Reset. You cannot do this to an economy. You cannot mandate poverty like this and not expect for some blowback. With another wave of layoffs happening, it's, 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 it's just crazy. But here, let's stay still stuck on COVID-19. What's going on? 
in Melbourne, right, they're only doing those spot checks over there. That's what you would hope, right? That's just across that great big pond. You wouldn't hope that New York City would impose checkpoints to enforce quarantine orders. Sorry, I'll stop the accent. Uh, it says New York City to impose COVID checkpoints to enforce the quarantine order. That's right. This is uh, Mayor Bill de Blasio's new authoritarian move. So kind of like stop and frisk, where you got cops coming right up to you saying, hey, what's in the bag? That's already illegal if you ask me. You shouldn't be doing that. That's profiling. But now, because of the quarantine and non-essential travel and COVID-1984, well, we're doing this because of your best interest. This comes from Paul Justice Watson. They put this up August 15th or August 5th over there at Summit.News. It says Mayor, Mayor Bill de Blasio has announced that he will set up COVID checkpoints around New York City in an attempt to catch anyone who flouts their 14-day quarantine order. Anyone arriving in New York City from the 34 states and Puerto Rico is subject to a strict 14-day stay-at-home order and faces large fines if they violate the rule. That will now be enforced with manned coronavirus checkpoints where those caught violating their quarantine will be penalized. From NBC New York, it says that, quote, starting Wednesday, the city will implement COVID-19 checkpoints at key entry points into the city, Bill de Blasio said. They will vary daily, through, though the mayor said one will appear at Penn Station on Thursday. Another is planned for Port Authority. The city hopes to implement, quote, full-fledged checkpoints where viable and hold them at other locations where they are unlikely to create major traffic backups. De Blasio says that the city stands ready to assist travelers who need a safe place to isolate for 14 days. The test and trace team has already made nearly 90,000 calls to travelers affected by the quarantine orders and sent nearly 21,000 texts. While Bill de Blasio threatens people traveling around New York City with astronomical fines that could run as high as $10,000, he simultaneously overseen an empty an emptying of prisons that has led to a skyrocketing crimes across New York. As we highlighted last month, shootings soared around a whopping 277% compared to the same week last year. In June, it was reported that there had been 38 murders over the, 28, over the last 28 days up until June 14th, twice as many as the previous year. Despite soaring crime, the mayor also devoted no fewer than 27 police officers to, gu to guard a Black Lives mural outside of Trump Tower. So you could be fined for stepping outside your house, tracked, surveilled, and told to go back home, put your mask on. What are you, a racist or what, like a viral virologist? What are you? This is where we're at right now. You've got, this is, the, this is to me a definition of the blind leading the blind. It's like we're, we're moving on from one thing, unable to address the previous thing. It's crazy. You have, you, you're terrifying people using uh, threatening and aggressive tactics, hoping that they don't expose you. You shout down your deniers like this. This is the they're destroying logic with this. They're destroying all logic, all reason, all critical thinking. And they are only advocating for people to be obedient worker drones and slaves. You're not allowed to question things. You're not allowed to ask. You're not allowed to ask anything. You're not allowed to do anything. You're just told to obey and go along with this. And now our obedience and our compliance has this taking place where drug companies will be exempt from liability claims. 
This is an article that comes up over there, the Judge Report feed. They put this up August 3rd. It says, last week, we were warned, or we warned readers to be cautious about the new COVID-19 vaccines, highlighting how key parts of the clinical trials are being skipped as Big Pharma will not be held accountable for adverse side effects for administering the experimental drug. This is what I talked to you guys about in my own way, shape, and form. It says a senior executive from AstraZeneca, Britain's second largest drug maker, told Reuters that his company was just granted protection from all legal action if the company's vaccine led to damaging side effects. Whenever we played for you the clip of Event 201, the Johnson & Johnson representative said that, hey, what, what do we need? We needed regulatory flexibility when it came to these vaccines. Yes, we could make them, and we'll make them real quick for you, sir. Yes, sir, we will. We'll make a whole bunch of them. But if we do this, we need regulatory flexibility. We do not need to be held liable for if some bad stuff happens when we start giving people these, these, these shots. And what did I tell you last week, gang? that they're skipping animal trials, that they're running straight to human trials, straight to human experimentation, violating the Nuremberg laws, the Nuremberg Code, where we cannot do human experimentations. We are becoming their guinea pigs. That's why they want to get you so many shots. But they don't want to be held liable for what happens. They don't want to, they don't want to have to pay back anything. No. Isn't that why you've got the Pentagon and the CDC working together? You've got the CDC saying, hey, let me study these, these, these side effects, these adverse reactions that we know are going to happen. Continuing on, quote, this is a unique situation where we as a company simply cannot take the risk if in four years the vaccine is showing side effects, said Rude Dabber, a top executive at AstraZeneca. Quote, in the contracts we have in place, we are asking for indemnification. You know, let me let me go ahead and just look this up. Bing, tell me what does indemnification mean? Can you define that? We're asking for indemnification, compensation for harm, or loss, security against legal liability for one's actions. So they want what in the contracts we have in place? We were asking for indemnification, and indemnification, which these son of a guns don't want to say. And we're asking for security against legal liability for our actions. We don't want to be held accountable if we kill you. Uh, for, more, for, more, for most countries, it is acceptable to take that risk on their shoulders because it is in their national interest. Yeah, and other countries will allow for people to get killed. We don't want to have that happen here. Yeah, it, it's in other nations' national interest to let us go over there and experiment on their populations. They want that. But here, not so much, so we're asking for indemnification, said Dauber, adding that Astra and regula regulators were making safety and tolerability a top priority. AstraZeneca is one, of the top, is, the, is one of the 25 pharmaceutical companies across the world testing experimental drugs that could be used to combat deadly viruses. And, of course, if testing yields positive results, AstraZeneca could manufacture hundreds of millions of doses with no legal recourse if side effects are seen. European officials told Reuters that product liability was a significant discussion to secure new vaccine drugs from Pfizer, Sanofi, and Johnson & Johnson. As for the U.S., well, when it comes to the legal framework around vaccines, the U.S. FDA has already, already has a law called the Public Readiness and Emergency Preparedness Act which provides immunity to vaccine companies if anything goes on. 
goes wrong. Uh, with AstraZeneca and many U.S. big pharma companies rushing COVID-19 vaccines to the market with governments granting them immunity if the vaccine has side effects, all suggest corporate elites and government regulators have very little faith in these drugs. For more color on vac- uh, it's crazy. I, I want to read that last part one more time because the, 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 the author already understands what's going on. With AstraZeneca and many U.S. big pharma companies rushing COVID-19 vaccines to the market with governments granting them immunity if the vaccine has side effects, all suggest corporate elites and government regulators have very little faith in these drugs. Very little faith. It says maybe these rush vaccines are more for optics, get consumers back in the airplanes, hotels, resorts, and malls. The major red flag is how governments are allowing big pharma to rush experimental vaccines with no legal recourse if something goes terribly wrong. I think that should be the major red flag right there. If we're allowing for these companies to, 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 to test on us, good Lord, why are we not calling this out? And I think that's the biggest thing for me right there. You got pharmaceutical giants like like GlaxoSmithKline, AstraZeneca, <laughs> and all these other people rushing and getting funding to develop this, and they're not going to be held accountable if anything happens. How is that not a red flag? Right here, I'm just going to mention these real quick for you guys. Big pharma giants GlaxoSmithKline, Sanofi received 2.1 billion dollars. A COVID-19 vaccine. It says that the Trump administration's Manhattan Project for COVID-19 has topped its biggest award given only two weeks ago to Novavax uh, with its largest grant of $2.1 billion to the pharmaceutical giant GlaxoSmithKline and their partner Sanofi uh, to speed up the clinical development and manufacturing of its recumbent vaccine candidate for the novel coronavirus vaccine. Now, what are we talking about with this? What, what am I really saying with this? They're not rushing to cure, vac- to, to cure COVID. They're not rushing to get rid of it. What, what is the whole vaccine hype, right? And maybe I'll have to do a whole separate transmission on this. But if you want the truth, this fast-tracked COVID-19 vaccine will alter human DNA and turn us into genetically modified, not organisms, but property. But property, I'm only going to read a little bit of this. It comes from worldtruth.tv by Eddie Levine. They put this up August 3rd. It says a new kind of DNA altering technology, mRNA vaccination, is being fast-checked through clinical uh, clinical studies. Once injected, this nanotechnology is intended to modify the recipient's DNA, turning the person into a genetically modified organism. A person's DNA will literally become a unique cell line that can be patented by corporations. AstraZeneca, GlaxoSmithKline, Sanofi, Pfizer, Johnson & Johnson, whoever. Once injected, human cells will become patent-able patent property owned by the biotechnology companies. This is the ultimate form of human slavery, and it is currently being mandated through fear and coercion. Now, I'll put that link in the description bar below so you guys can definitely take your time and go back and read it because you really have to understand what's happening right now. These, these, these vaccines are really not going, they're going to cause more problems than they solve. They truly are. People are going to get these vaccines, and we better pray to God that some of these are clean 
because they are going to cause more problems than they solve. And I say this because right now, you have them saying that the COVID-19 vaccine could mean regular injections with no guarantee of immunity. Remember, Dr. Anthony Fauci said that. It didn't, didn't Bill Gates say that as well, that we're going to need multiple doses. He got grilled on that and they said, hey, after the second shot, there's like 80% of there being side effects. Are these vaccines safe? Safe. Now they're saying you're going to need multiple doses and there's no guarantee of immunity. Then what the heck are we doing? Why are we about to just do away with a, with a percentage of the population with faulty vaccines that may or may not work? This is dangerous. I'm only going to read a little bit of this uh, because I really want to get into uh, this, this, this article of the government in Yale holding clinical trials on how to persuade Americans to take the shot. But this shot that they're wanting us to take is not going to work. There's no guarantee of immunity. Let's get into this. We put this up August 3rd. It comes from Natural Blaze. It says, while Dr. Anthony Fauci says he's hopeful that a COVID-19 vaccine will be available by late fall or early winter, it may not be as simple as one jab for a lifetime of immunity. According to the LA Times, it says, for starters, a COVID-19 vaccine can be released if it's safe and, pr- and, and, and proves effective. One of... Uh, on as few as 50% of those who receive it, according to the recently released federal guidelines. What's more, the definition of effective means that it simply has to minimize the most serious symptoms, according to the report. Quote, we should anticipate the SARS-CoV-2 vaccine to be similar to the influenza vaccine, said Dr. Kathleen Nuzzelli, director for the Center of Vaccine Development at the University of Maryland. Quote, that vaccine may or may may or may not keep people from being infected with the virus, but if it does keep people out of the hospital and the ICU. Because of this, experts say that the first round of COVID-19 vaccines probably won't eliminate the need for masks, social distancing, and measures. So after all the promises made by government officials, a vaccine may only reduce symptoms and may turn into a recurring shot that only works on half the population. Developing a vaccine capable of inducing, quote, sterilizing immunity that is the ability to prevent the virus from causing an infection takes time and research, which might not be possible as death tolls continue to rise and the recession grows deeper. Yet with so many companies on the hunt for that vaccine, there is hope one of them might actually achieve it. Scientists have studied other coronaviruses, SARS and MERS, and mapped out the coronaviruses, the novel coronaviruses genome not long after the first COVID-19 death was recorded. They identified the spike protein on the virus's outer shell, which the viruses used to infiltrate the host cells and created a three-dimensional model of the virus to see how antibodies blocked infection by binding onto the spike protein. So yes, there is still much surrounding this virus that we've got to figure out. But there's no guarantee of immunity that there's going to be side effects that people are going to be hurt by this virus. And I guess that I guess in a weird way, what we really should be saying is that there's no way to really control this virus. All we can ultimately do is boost up our immune system and not necessarily sterilize the environment, but take care of ourselves. This is going to hurt people. Bill Gates is talking around at least like 700,000 people being injured, most of them elderly. And I'm not saying that their lives are not important. And I'm not saying that their deaths won't be won't won't be that their lives won't be missed and that their deaths won't be justified. 
uh, people have to understand that it's no longer about the virus. It really isn't. It's about compliance. It's about control. It's about how much are you willing to give over. You see. Uh, just so we can get this on record here as well, uh, I want to play for you guys real quick this article or this video of Bill Gates being asked about these vaccines. We played this for you last week. It was on that. It was on CBS. Uh, but it talks again about the widespread side effects of these vaccines and how after the second shot, there's 80% of the people who end up developing side effects. The Moderna vaccine sound concerning. We looked. After the second dose, at least 80% of participants experienced a systemic side effect, ranging from severe chills to fevers. So... Are these vaccines safe? Well, the, uh, the FDA not being pressured will look hard at that. The FDA is the gold standard of regulators, uh, and their current guidance on this, if they stick with that, is, is very, very appropriate. Uh, and, you know, the, it, the, 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 the side effects were not super severe. That is, it didn't cause permanent health problems for uh, the things that are, they, you know, Moderna did have to go with a fairly high dose. And so, uh, you know, to get the antibodies, some of the other vaccines uh, are going able to go with lower doses to get uh, responses that are, are pretty high, including the, the J&J and the Pfizer. And so there's a lot of characteristics of these vaccines. Um, it's great that we have multiple of them. Uh, that are going Everybody, out there and, and yes, I you, think you know the data the better than I do. But the bill, though, the, the data showed that everybody with a high dose had a, a side effect. Yeah, but some of that is is not dramatic, where you know it's just you know super painful. But yes, there we need to make sure there's not severe side effects. The FDA, uh, I I I think will do a good job of that, uh, despite the pressure. How many doses of the vaccine will we need? Well, none of the vaccines at this point appear like they'll work with a single dose. That was the the hope at the very beginning. Uh, maybe one of them, particularly in the second generation, won't surprise us. We hope just two, although in the elderly, sometimes uh, it, it takes more. And, and so making sure we have lots of elderly people in the trial will give us that data. You've said some more than 7 billion doses is what we'll need. Well, if, if what you're trying to do the Moderna vaccine. Got to get those doses. Got to gotta get those doses to people. You got to make sure people know that Bill Gates is here to love you. He's here to make sure that you are taken care of. <laughs> this is crazy. So I would definitely recommend you guys go look at that clip. You can hear him squirrel, squirm around and you can hear him shuck and jive and try to dodge the question. But these vaccines are going to hurt people doesn't matter they've got to figure out a way to get you to take it u.s government and yale hold clinical trials on how best to persuade americans to take the covid19 vaccine this is written by joe mantino uh, over there at collective evolution they put this up august 3rd and it says that the united states federal government in collaboration with yale university held clinical trials to determine 
what the best messaging would be to persuade Americans to take the COVID-19 vaccine when it's ready. The news of this study does show an interest in finding the best way to persuade people into an ideal decision for the federal government and likely vaccine makers. And it also shows how that shows that a mandatory vaccine campaign may still be the plan B down the road as opposed to plan A. The official title of the trial is, quote, Persuasive Messages for COVID-19 Vaccine Uptake, a Randomized Controlled Study, Part 1. According to the brief summary of the trial, this study tests different messages about vaccinating against COVID-19 on the, once the vaccine becomes available. Part- uh, participants are randomized to one of 12 arms with one control arm and one baseline arm. The reported willingness to get a COVID-19 vaccine shot at three and six months of it becoming available between the 10 intervention arms to the, ten, uh, to the two control arms. Uh, study participants are recruited online by Lucid, which matches census-based sampling and online recruitment. The study essentially looks at the best possible messaging that can be used on Americans, ranging from expressing vaccine benefits to using, to using messages about the economic impact making someone feel guilty or embarrassed for not taking the vaccine, and so on. The study looked at around 4,000 participants aged 18 years and up, all of whom who had to be U.S. US residents, of course. The various arms used in the study when it came to messaging were as follows. Uh, And this is what I went over with you guys earlier. The control message, the baseline message, the personal freedom message, right? Economic freedom, self-interest freedom. It's, it's in your self-interest to get this shot. That way you can take care of yourself. It's in the community's interest to get this shot, right? Uh, the economic benefit, if you get this shot, you can go back to work. Like they say in Australia, no jab, no pay. Uh, guilt message, wow, I can't believe you didn't get this shot. What are you, some anti-vaxxer? Embarrassment shot, hey, this guy didn't get a shot. He's a, he's a dirty, dirty human. Anger shot. Uh, or, or, or the anger message. I'm not sure how they would play with that. The trust in science message. You know, so you get the shot. I believe in science, therefore I let Bill Gates inject me with with Luciferase. Uh, not bravery message. Oh, I guess you just don't care about the kids and you don't care about anybody else, so you're not getting a shot. This is this is the tactics that they, they choose. It says, interestingly, the study also looked at various social elements involved in vaccination. Uh, and the primary outcome measures, it says intention to get COVID-19 vaccine time frame immediately after intervention is the same survey in which the intervention message is, is provided. This is a self-reported measure immediately after the intervention message of the likelihood of giving a COVID-19 vaccination within three months and then six months of it becoming available. During analysis, uh, responses among those aligned to different intervention messages will be compared to those in the controlled group. So basically what they're trying to say is they have scientists, they have social scientists, psychologists, they have people in the government, the feds, working, trying to figure out a way to get you to take that shot. They need you to get that vaccine. They've invested all this money into it. They've got the CDC working on it. They've got Pfizer working on it, Sanofi, GlaxoSmithKline, Johnson & Johnson, and all these other companies, AstraZeneca and more, working on it. But you see, that's how these people are. The minute they begin to sell you the cure, they're also going to come back and sell you the problem. I wanted to get into how there's a Sweden's top epidemiologist said that there's no point in wearing masks. But I think you guys get that as well. It's a pandemic. It's not about the masks. It's not about the virus. 
these 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 actions that we're taking now, it kind of seems like a day late and a dollar short, doesn't it? Because it's not for right now, it's for what comes after. But they need you to take that shot. And isn't that what I said just last week with you people? But it's not so much the initial vaccines that I'm worried about. It's the cross-reactions. We, 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 we talk about epigenetics here sometimes, right? Biochemistry and things such as this. Genetics, right? What happens whenever they take these DNA-modifying vaccines to your body and then change you? And then begin to contact trace you. And then see, hey, how are these mutations uh, on other people? Very, very interesting. And this is why I'm so worried because they're not talking about what all this is going to do. But speaking of what we're going to do, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking about the, rev- the revelation of this sickness. Uh, the Satanic Temple offering a devil's advocate scholarship to high school grants to support its agenda. Uh, Chinese villagers being arrested for protesting over contaminated water, Bill Clinton denying being on Epstein's Island, and more. People being able to sue the city of Flint over their water, yeah, revealing the sickness that we've all been living with and talking about for years now, half a decade and more. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking about this and more on the other side. Ladies and gentlemen, don't go anywhere. This is Freedom Faction over here on Factions of Freedom, and we'll be right back right after this. in this world that remind us of how fragile we are. We thought we were safe. We thought it could never happen to us. Then life like a fog descends upon us, blanketing our memories. Through the haze we travel its hidden paths, lost in its secret places. And when the storm, turbulent and immovable, forces us to shelter, we remember. to us, calls us back, back to the ports and the harbors of our past. We fight the currents that pull and drag us off course, not a light or star to chart the way. And when we arrive, we don't always know it at first, the places we once loved guised by time. Then we see it, the place we've been trying to get back to. Safe at last, we've found our way home.
and final segment. Welcome back. You know, we've made a lot of ground doing what we do. You know, I, uh, I guess I take it for granted the fact that we can have these kind of conversations, that we can shoot people straight, that we can get down to the core facts of what's going on and bring up the, the, the God, good Lord, the historic degeneration or the, again, the, the gradual degradation of society. Now, before I, before I take, before I go into all of this, I want to say that if you're listening to this, like by the third segment and you're still here, I really want to thank you. I really do. I want to take time out of my way before I even get up on my soapbox and th- say thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning in and listening. Uh, there's a lot, as, as I said at the start of the show, there's a lot of stuff going on in my personal life that uh, doing this show has just helped me be prepared for. And, you know, I don't think that I really quite grasp uh, having an outlet such as this to be able to do this type of work. And so I just want to, again, just thank you guys so much for allowing me to be in your life in this capacity, covering these type of topics, going over this type of stuff. Uh, you know, if, 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 if you ever talk to me privately, the people that do, you know, I tell them, I evolved in the, into the position that I'm in today. I didn't think I cared about these things. I didn't think I cared about the children whenever, you know, I didn't think I cared about my health. I didn't think I cared about these things. I, I, I learned to care about them because I saw that they were being taken, that they were being destroyed. A lot of this stuff doesn't hit home until it becomes personal. But I think that's what's crazy is I didn't think that I had these values until I learned until I learned otherwise. And so I want to thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for being here as that discovery takes place. The same way that I say in Lakesh, I am another you, right? The aboriginal version, the aboriginal word or phrase for I am another you in Lakesh. We are all one another. The same way that you're seeing me go through this discovering process and this rediscovering and this growth and this change is the same way that I can only hope that by existing in this capacity, I'm inspiring you to do the same thing. And so I want to say you are appreciated and I am very grateful that you guys allow for me to do this and that we are all here still. Our days are dark and our days are numbered, but I am still grateful and humbled to be here before you today. And with that being said, let's start this segment. Revealing the sickness. You know, just uh, just before going to bed last night, I talked about how the Satanic Temple claims that killing babies and abortions uh, is protected is a protected religious ceremony. Now, the Satanic Temple over here is not really a controversial thing. We definitely talk about them probably too much. Uh, we have documented their rise since 2016, uh, their swelling in numbers, their surge in 2017, and Lucius, the year of light, uh, and just all the other crazy things that have gone on. The fact that they created, what was it, Weejazilla in Salem, the tearing down of the Ten Commandments, the erecting of Baphomet statues, after school Satan, like we we keep our finger on the pulse. 
when it comes to the Satanic Temple. Now, whenever I had put together this episode earlier this week, I wanted to go over how last week <laughs> the Satanic Temple had a scholarship called the Devil's Advocate Scholarship where they were trying to, you know, give money to any kid that thought it would be cool to take, you know, a grant from the Satanic Temple. I thought that was cool. Uh, but not cool, but I thought that was crazy. And before I could even work that into the show, this came up. Now, when you go look at the comments underneath this post, I'll put it underneath. I'll put it in the link in the description bar below. So you can go check it out. It currently has 14,000 views coming up on 15,000 views. We put it up 17 hours ago. You say some people say that you'll see that some people say the satanic temple is trolling Oh, that they're that they're being silly. Oh, that they're making a mockery of things because that's exactly what they do. That's exactly what they're do. They're you're you're right. It is satanic to think that abortions could be used as a religious as as, as a protected religious ceremony, but that's what they do. But you have to understand the devil and you have to understand the inversion tactics that they use, the dark side deception. It has now become woke to have abortions. It has become woke to hate God. And on Instagram live, this is something we talk about more seriously, especially with our audience, this nihilism, this apathy, uh, this, this pessimism, this insecurity, this doubt, this, 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 this suicide spirit. It comes from trolling. It comes from embracing this. So what I'm going to do briefly real quick is play for you guys this clip. I'm not going to play it in its entirety, but as of it's, it's of the Satanic Temple saying, we support abortion. It's a part of our religious culture, religious freedom. You need to protect it. Give us your babies. Revealing the sickness. We're just getting started. The Satanic Temple advances many just causes that protect the religious rights of our members. We choose pluralism and have repeatedly taken legal action to assure that Satanists receive the same treatment as members of other faiths. Our ability to practice our beliefs has been aided by the enactment of the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. This law generally prohibits the government from interfering with a person's free exercise of religion, which includes the performance of religious rituals. The Satanic Temple's rituals adhere to our tenets, which value science and assert bodily autonomy. As an expression of our deeply held beliefs, the Satanic Temple has created a religious ritual that involves terminating an unwanted pregnancy during the first trimester. The religious abortion ritual involves the recitation of our third and fifth tenets, along with a personal affirmation during the abortion procedure. The ritual provides spiritual comfort and affirms bodily autonomy and self-worth. The Satanic Temple proudly announces to all of its followers that within the states that have enacted the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, Religiously performed abortions are exempt from legal requirements that are not medically necessary. These include waiting periods, being forced to listen to the fetal heartbeat, forced burial or cremation of fetal remains, required waiting materials, 
compulsory counseling, medically unnecessary sonograms, and the requirement that practitioners withhold certain medical information. The Satanic Temple will do all it can to assure that states protect the religious rights of our members to attain first trimester abortions on demand. You get the picture? Like I, I was just hoping that you guys got the picture. You know, don't worry. We're just gradually talking about, casually and gradually talking about the Satanic Temple fighting for your religious freedom to have a baby or to, to take that baby away from you. Could you think about some of the things that they were saying right there? Forced to listen to the actual heart of the baby, like that's some t- evil thing. Like being a parent is some dark and evil thing. This is where we're at right now. Saying that because of science and bodily autonomy, right? My body, my choice. I don't want to listen to this baby. Get it out of me. This is evil. This is evil. Put this up before I went to bed. Don't worry, we'll talk about uh, Satanists getting into the academics, right? We're just talking about how they're getting into politics right now, saying that it's your religious, it's our religious freedom to want your babies at abortion. It says that the Satanic Temple proudly admitted Wednesday uh, that in their belief system, killing an unborn baby in abortion is a religious ritual similar to communion or baptism for Christians. Quote, the Satanic Temple is proud to announce its religious abortion ritual, a ceremony rooted in our deeply held beliefs. The group said in a video announcement on YouTube uh, when I played for you guys there briefly, uh, quote, thyself is thy master. And I'm not even going to say have what they say afterwards. It says the disturbing announcement is part of the cult's new plan to overturn pro-life laws using a religious freedom argument. Quote, many states have laws that interfere with our members' ability to practice their religious beliefs, said Satanic Temple person Jason Essex or Jane Essex. Quote, no Christian would accept a mandatory waiting period before they can partake in communion. No Christian would tolerate a law that insists state counseling is necessary before someone can be baptized. Our members are justly entitled to religious liberty in order to practice our rituals as well. According to the friendly atheist blog, the Satanists described their surgical abortion ritual in detail Wednesday. They said it involves two tenets of their religious of their religion involving bodily autonomy and adherence to the quote best scientific practices. This is how the Satanic Temple describes its, quote, ritual for slaughtering unborn babies in surgical abortions. And I won't read it to you. I just don't. Because this is this is what they're saying. You've got to understand the mind. Of mayhem, the mind of the Satanists, the mind of the Luciferians and why this is such an why this is such an epidemic. People are talking about COVID like, oh, shucks, I got to watch out for this virus that's so deadly. I need to get tested to see if I have it. When we're literally over here talking about how Satanists are trolling people for abortions. Bill Gates, Bill Gates is a rapist, Infowars.com. Bill Gates is a rapist trending on Twitter. Court documents coming out saying that he flew on Jeffrey Epstein's flight logs 26 times. Can't see this epidemic of, of, of Satanism. Of pure toxic spirituality. You've got to understand how clever and tricky the devil is. Luciferianism, Satanism, and as we said over here, you scratch an atheist, you get a Satanist. You know, there is no God, your God is dead. 
right? This type of this type of talk, man. You've really got to understand where people are. And I'm not saying that these are Satanists. I'm saying that Satanists are learning how to weaponize, utilize, and and organize people like that. Remember, we read that quote for you from Albert Pike, infamous Freemason, talking about in Morals and Dogma how they are going to unleash the nihilists and the atheists in a, cladic, in a, in a war causing cladic, uh, cataclysmic social change. This is it right now. Do you see how they use our openness against us, how they say no Christian would allow for this to take place? We want our very same freedom. So I know we've been talking about just middle class mayhem and what's going on with COVID-19 and more, right? The social engineering that's happening right there, the uh, political authoritarianism that you're witnessing. What about the spiritual warfare, right? What about the spiritual terrorism that we are up against? You get me? The, the, the degradation of life, the dehumanization that's taking place, uh, the fact that you, as I said before at the start of the show, can't go out there with a Bible without expecting people to come at you. Street preachers being beat up in the streets at Chaz or Chop. And now you have the Satanic Temple offering the Devil's Advocate Scholarship to high school grads who support his agenda. I'm telling you, it's going to get to a point to where it's going to be woke to beat up Christians. It'll get to a point to where we're so inverted, you'll think that Luciferians and Satanists are the true Christians. The true believers. But uh, I'm devolving into like an anti-Satanist like rant right now when there's like topics and stuff I have to get over. It's because I stay on these people's tail, dude. I have to, you have to understand how they work. You have to understand the satanic inversion, the satanic panic, and all of it. The same way that we've talked about communists, right? Like like communists from, from, from the 60s and from the 50s and the hippie generation and stuff like that is the same way that you have to understand the mutation that Satanism has undergone, especially in modern-day America. And whenever you have them destroying religion from our generation, millennials, getting rid of religion, doing away with it, not even, and we're not even talking about uh, the Antichrist known as Pope Francis. You've got to understand how this is an incremental pathway towards Satanism. Politically and spiritually. Let me read this and I'll continue on. We put this up July 30th. It comes from Ricky Scaparo over there at Hint Times Headlines. It says that the Satanic Temple has unveiled a college scholarship to help high school students pursue a higher education. The Salem, Massachusetts-based organization, which claims its goal is to support separation between church and state, said that the $500 Devil's Advocate Scholarship is open to 2020 graduates. Applicants must answer one of the following questions, which can be a in a form of an essay, a poem, or another creative expression. It says, which initi what initiatives have you taken that are consistent with the TST tenets and mission? Two. Please discuss and describe in detail any one of the teachers who crushed your spirit, undermined your self-confidence, and made you hate every minute you were forced to be in school. You get that right there? How do you help, help us cast a spell on X, Y, and Z? What do you think your views are that align with the Satanic Temple? Quote, the applicant will only be judged on how their submission best exemplifies the mission of the Satanic Temple and the prompt they chose to answer according to the organization's website. The Satanic Temple co-founder, Malcolm Jerry, said that the scholarship intends to highlight the problems with, consult with, with compulsory schooling. 
He said that the Satanic Temple rejects mandatory schooling because it, quote, violates students' fundamental civil rights and ingrains obedience to an unearned authority. These are the ultimate rebels, right? It's, it's, it's woke to be anti-God, right? It's woke. Super woke. Do you get where this is going to lead? Do you understand where this goes? The, the, the blending that's happening within society. Again, a political solution to a deep spiritual problem. The uprooting of the natural order of things. The breaking of the social construct. Right, the socioeconomic reformation, the transformation of society. I'm using their words. You've got to understand this, revealing the sickness, revealing where we're at. Right here, China rips crosses from churches, throwing elderly man to the throwing elderly man trying to stop it to the ground. Another one that comes from Intan's headlines. This is on the heels of Senator Dianne Feinstein praising China for becoming a quote respectable nation. A line trumpeted by Beijing, local government authorities in the communist country are continuing to ransack churches, tearing down crosses, and other Christian symbolism. It says, according to a post from Bitter Winter, a publication in the U.S. Department of State has cited in official government reports, authorities from the Yongjia County uh, government in Wenzhou, part of the Xinjiang province, dispatched more than 100 personnel to Yongfu village where they removed crosses from two churches at a little past 4 a.m. on July 7th. While officials were removing one of the crosses, they reportedly got into a scuffle with a man in his 80s. Ultimately, the elderly resident, the ultimate, the elderly resident was pushed to the ground and injured, the publication noted. Local believers said the two crosses removed in early July escaped the crackdowns of Xiang churches in 2014 and 2015 when Chinese authorities stripped the province of more than 1,700 crosses. The lingering crosses were, at the time, protected by Christians. They were, un- they were unable to safeguard them this time, though. Bitter Winter posted footage reportedly showing the elderly man on the ground in the fetal position after attempting to defend one of the crosses. Video footage of the discriminatory acts taken by the Chinese government comes right after Feinstein heaped praise on the communist nation. During a Senate Judiciary Committee last week, the California lawmaker argued against allowing Americans to file lawsuits against China over the spreading of coronavirus, arguing that China is a major trading partner for the U.S. Feinstein lauded President Xi Jinping's regime for pulling, quote, tens of millions of people out of poverty in a short amount of time, claiming China is, quote, growing into a respectable nation among nations. Her words have since been echoed by China Daily, an English-language newspaper owned and operated by the public publicity department of the Communist Party of China. Meanwhile, the persecution of Christians and Muslims in China persists. Not only in China, but nationwide. So think about this. Just a, just a couple of weeks ago, didn't we have Sean King, one of the BLM activists guy, right, who looks like Pitbull, talking about tearing down the statues of white Jesus because he represents white supremacy as well. Revealing the sickness. Let me explain this to you. You've got the satanic temple out here saying, yeah, heck yeah, abortions are a part of our religion. You, you need to give us your babies. We'll give you a scholarship if you tell us how much you hate your teacher. 
You've got Sean King saying, yeah, tear down all the images of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. How far are we from book burning? You know, I was looking at this, this clip the other day, just on YouTube like I like to be, and I was looking at information from Roger Morneau. I would definitely recommend you guys go look into him. A Trip into the Supernatural by Roger Morneau. He talks about basically being an ex-Satanist, an ex-occultist, and how one of their chief goals is to burn the Bible without touching it. How to destroy the Bible without ever even coming into contact with it. And that's where we're at right now. We are seeing all the values of the Bible being destroyed without the Bible being destroyed. The Bible's still there. People can pick it up. The values that, that, that created the society based on the Bible, that's still there, but it's being destroyed. When I tell you the inverted world that we now find ourselves living in, this clown world where they are assaulting logic, critical thinking, reasoning, and more, higher mental faculty skills, dumbing down the population, making things so simple that even a monkey could do it, belittling us, dehumanizing us. You, you understand? Like, think about this. Really, really think about this because I'm, <laughs> I, I, I want to play for you guys this real quick clip of uh, these Chinese villagers protesting over the contaminated water. It just reminded me of like what's going on with Flint. Because we've talked about this, how God wants soldiers and how, how, how Satan, Lucifer, the devil, how he wants robots and wants automatons. He doesn't believe in free will. Okay. He believes in obedience. That's where we're at right now. We have soulless, mean, soulless beings carrying out the will of their father, the devil, because it only operates in deception. I just here. Let me play for you guys a clip, and then we'll continue on because we have a we have a few more things that we need to cover. I need to cover Bill Gates or Bill Clinton on uh, Pedophile Island, Trump awarding that thirty-five million to human trafficking survivors, and then we'll close out. But just we have to understand where we're at right now that what we are up against is trying to rob us of the very thing that we hold sacred. They want to destroy the family. They want to destroy their religion. They want to destroy your God. They want to destroy everything that you hold sacred. And that's why this is such a terrifying combination of chaos, dude, because it's not just out there in China. It's not out there. It's just not out there in China. It's just not out there in Melbourne, Australia. It's just not out there in the UK. It's everywhere. This is a global Luciferian assault. That's why people are having a hard time wrapping their minds around it. Because it's coming off in the name of self-empowerment, of, of self self-liberation, freedom, right? But it's nothing, it's nothing but that. It's enslavement. It's totalitarian control. It's deception. It's manipulation. I'm getting fired up. Here, let me play for you guys this quick clip. Uh, Chinese villagers arrested for protesting over contaminated tap water. Villagers in the rural area of China's Hangzhou city, Zhejiang province, protested after they found out their tap water was contaminated by a wastewater treatment plant. Residents have started to notice a foul odor emitting from their tap water since July 26, and many had diarrhea, allergies, and enteritis from drinking the water. Instead of arranging free water treatment for the residents, local authorities sent a large number of special police to quell those who went to the wastewater treatment company to protest. Six villagers were arrested, and one of them was left unconscious. 
Some of the villagers told the Epic Times that the police justified their actions with the excuse that the residents had blocked traffic. There were more than 60 special police and three police cars. What can I say about our local government? This wastewater treatment plant was built right near the water source of our village and it doesn't have the proper license. Before, there was a creek with clean water where we would sometimes go fishing. Now the water is turbid and stinky with no living creatures. This wastewater plant was built in December 2019 without the residents' knowledge. Only the village head and the local officials knew about it. On July 26, our tap water had a strange pungent odor. We called the local water authority to report the problem. They came to check the source and found that the sewage pipe of the wastewater treatment plant was connected to the tap water pipe. That's when the villagers found out that this wastewater treatment plant had been built near the water source. Six villagers were taken away by the police. The police started the first. They knocked one person unconscious and took him away. They stopped the police car. They pushed us aside and drove away. Now we cannot reach those who were arrested. Their cell phones must have been confiscated by the police. Nearly 200 villagers developed symptoms such as rash on arms and legs or diarrhea. When they had physical exams at hospitals, many health indicators were problematic. Children were among the most affected. We don't understand the details as to how the sewage lines was connected with the tap water pipes. Some local media claimed that the water quality has been restored up to par. Sheer nonsense, it's all fake news. On the other hand, the information that we were trying to send out was all blocked by the government. Many people got ill from drinking the water and had to go to the hospital. There was even a pregnant woman who delivered her baby prematurely after drinking the contaminated water. Several hundred villagers went to the waste treatment plant to raise their demands on July 28th. Special police came and arrested several villagers. They have not been released yet. We have heard that they are being held at Sundown Detention Center. Our requests are very simple. First, the wastewater treatment plant must go. Second, our tap water must meet quality standards. We don't even know for how long we have been drinking dirty water. The interview was conducted on July 30th by Wang Jin of the Chinese language Epic Times. Uh, we all know how the Chinese love their detention centers. Oh, don't we? Oh, don't we know how they love those things? Yeah, uh, last week we were talking about their thought transformation centers. Let's hope that they didn't take those protesters there who were just wanting clean water. This is protesting in a communist regime. See, you can't do that. You're not allowed to have rights in a communist dictatorship. No. But over here, where you're able to express yourself because we have the what? Constitution, Bill of Rights, First Amendment, you can express yourself, you'll air your, your grievances, and you'll be heard. But over there, you'll be disappeared. Sad truth is, that's gradually what's coming out over here. You will be disappeared for having opposing views of the state. And that's why we need to fight to keep some semblance of just like rights, laws, law and order together. Because if not, that democracy goes right up out the window, which leads me to my next article right here. Court rules that Flint residents can now pursue class action lawsuit on the water. So while you have Chinese residents being arrested for doing the very same thing that happened since 2015, right? It's like been years that since Flint, since Flint had clean water, we've been we've been asking for them to have water forever. 
since Dakota Access Pipeline, isn't that, didn't Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez say she attended that? Flint still didn't have clean water? Well, guess what? Now you can, you can pursue class action lawsuits against the state because of this. Let's read this. It comes from the Epoch Times as well. It's by Alan McDonald. They put this on July 30th. It says Michigan's Supreme Court ruled Wednesday that residents of the, the city of Flint, Michigan, can pursue public officials in a lawsuit over the city's 2014 to 2015 use of the water from the Flint River that led to high levels of lead contamination among the city's residents, including children. Yeah, they were developing lesions, rashes, lowered IQs because of drinking contaminated water. Continuing on, it says that the lawsuit was filed by Melissa Mays and other property owners and people in the Flint area and targets former governor of Michigan, Rick Snyder, the state of Michigan, the state's Department of Environmental Quality, and the Department of Health and Human Services, as well as two former Flint emergency managers. Quote, the residents of Flint have suffered for six long years while the state has filed appeal after appeal after appeal to delay justice, says Weitz and Luxembourg attorney Paul Novak in a statement. Quote, today, strike, today strikes another victory for Flint's residents, and hopefully the Supreme Court's words make it clear that the people of Flint are entitled to justice. Quote, the plaintiffs in this case raise some of the most disturbing allegations of malfeasance by government actors in Michigan's history, said Justice Richard Bernstein in the court's decision. Bernstein said that the defendants had fought the plaintiffs repeatedly along the way, including through attempts to have the lawsuit dismissed on procedural grounds. The people of Flint had endured, he said, and would now have the opportunity to be heard. Quote, the judiciary should be the one, should be the one governmental institution that hears their grievances and affords them the opportunity to at least proceed with their case, Bernstein said. A lawsuit alleges that in 2013, the former governor of Michigan worked with other officials and state bodies to approve a contract to develop an alternative source of water for Flint, a predominantly African-American city of around 95,000 located 70 miles northwest of Detroit. The lawsuit claims that the defendants knew the Flint Wood River uh, would be used as an interim water source and that they knew a 2011 study that had cautioned against the use of a river as a source of drinking water. Yeah, it's because it had been polluted, tainted, and they thought it would be a good idea to give it back to the people of Flint. Little did they learn that it literally broke down the people there. You poisoned your population. And then on top of you poisoning your population, you didn't want to admit that you got poisoned or that you were doing the poisoning. And so it caused more and more problems. And so this, to me, again, shows, it reveals the sickness. It shows that we have a failing infrastructure use the argument saying that, oh, uh, this is this is Democrats. This is what happens in Democratic cities. But the fact is, is when we were reporting on this years ago, we found out that, na- that the cities across the nation were experiencing this, especially in California, because these were failing infrastructures. People weren't lifting these places back up. They weren't putting some of that taxpaying dollars back into the city. They were putting it inside of their pockets. Uh, having pizza parties, buying jewelry, uh, investing in stocks, getting uh, getting shares into the companies, doing all kinds of stuff. And meanwhile, the residents of these cities are dying in front of them. So when Donald Trump comes around talking about make America great again, you hope that we would begin to have this conversation of how did we get here in the first place? Because we let corporations and corrupt people run the show. 
because we let them dehumanize us and we didn't call them out because we were unable to. We didn't know. We didn't know how. And now people are becoming more organized, that's for sure. But I'm getting fired up. I'm getting fired up as always. So I, 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 I wanted to end that little brief deviation uh, talking about that, that we should be getting restitution, that people should be being held accountable for this type of stuff because this is atrocious. I imagine, I, I guess I think about how many kids are permanently damaged from a few years of drinking lead-contaminated water. I think about the IQs of those children, gone. And unless they're taking iodine or other brain-boosting supplements and things like this to get them back on point, that's permanent damage that the state owes, that those people need to be held accountable for. Speaking of being held accountable, right here, Bill Clinton was on pedophile with young girls the FBI was told about child rape and did nothing. This is all what's been uncovered in the Epstein documents. I'm going to be reading to you guys a great article that comes from the folks over there at the Free Thought, the Free Thought Project. They put this up July 31st, and it's unfortunately going to go over stuff that we already knew. So while we're talking about corrupt and capitalistic politicians just destroying people, wrecking their lives... Well, let's just talk about our former president, Bill Clinton, do the very same thing, except he's working with higher ranking officials, the elites, multimillionaires, billionaires, government officials and more. Uh, let me get into this. It says newly unsealed files tied to Jeffrey Epstein or tied the Jeffrey Epstein sex trafficking case imply that the former U.S. President Bill Clinton visited the investors' private island along with young girls and that the FBI knew well about the minors' abuse and did nothing. Yeah, there were tales of Bill Clinton giving the trying to give the shake to his uh, handlers. It's like, um, what are those boys called? Secret Service. It's like he would tell them that he's got to flight out some place and then he would meet Epstein on, on the tarmac and then they would, you know, scurry off to Lolita, uh, uh, to, to uh, Little St. James Island. And because, you know, they would have to keep logs, the FBI or the uh, Secret Service would because they have to keep track of where he was at. They couldn't keep track of him because they weren't with him. So Bill Clinton's over there doing this, trying to give him the slip all the time because he's silly willy, tricky willy. He's trying to go get him some. Continuing on, says compromising hundreds of pages of documents. The trove was released on Thursday night following a judge's order last week to have it unsealed over the objections of Gislaine Maxwell, a former governor for a girl, former girlfriend to Epstein, who has recently been charged as an accomplice in his alleged sex trafficking operations. The records stem from a 2015 defamation suit filed by Epstein accuser, Virginia Goffrey, uh, which was placed under lock and key after the case was settled in 2017, but was recently unsealed as a result of a, of a lawsuit brought last year by conservative blogger Mike Cernovich in the Miami Herald newspaper. Among other revelations, the documents indicate that the former U.S. President Bill Clinton concerted with, quote, young girls during at least one visit to Epstein's private resort in the Virgin Islands, where the billionaire was said to host regular, quote, sex orgies. Quote, when you were present with Jeffrey Epstein and Bill Clinton on the island, who else was there? One witness, presumably uh, Joffrey, asked during an interview to which she replied that Epstein, Maxwell, and an unidentified woman named Emmy 
and two young girls had been on the island with the former POTUS. The witness did not elaborate on Clinton's interactions with the girls, however. The same witness also told her attorney in 2011 that she had overheard Epstein saying that Clinton owed him favor, but noted she couldn't tell whether he was joking. He would laugh it off, you know. I remember asking Jeffrey, what's Bill Clinton doing here? And he'd laugh it off, and he'd say, well, he owes me some favors. She said, he never told me what the favors were. I never knew. I didn't know if, it was, if he was serious. He told me a long time ago that everyone owes him favors. They're all in each other's pockets. Goes on to say that uh, one of America's top law enforcement agencies was also apparently aware that underage girls were still being abused at Epstein's par- properties as far back as 2011, years after he had sent- was sentenced for similar crimes in his first criminal case. During her defamation suit, Joffrey said uh, she had provided the FBI a now widely v- circulated photo of herself in the UK as Prince Andrew, where he is pictured smiling with an arm around her bare waist. In 2014, moreover, Jeffrey contacted the FBI to request evidence that they had previously seized from Epstein's residence to to aid her civil case, suggesting the Bureau had for long for had for long been informed of her allegations regarding Epstein and his continued involve, involvement with minor girls. And so basically all of it's coming out. Like there's 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 really no other no other spin or no other thing for me to say, but all of this information's coming out. <laughs> I think that's there's 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 nothing else for me to really say. When you have Bill Clinton is a rapist trending on Twitter, that means people are going to learn. There's T-shirts of it. You got Hillary Clinton saying she's monitoring news feeds. She's trying to make sure there's certain news outlets don't talk about that connection that he was there, that they try to hide that. And then out of nowhere, you have Bill Clinton saying, no, I did not have sexual relations with those children. Or, or I mean, Monica Lewinsky. <laughs> this article from the Epoch Times says Bill Clinton denies being on Epstein's island after, re- after release of documents from alleged victim. That's former President Bill Clinton, through a spokesperson, denied being on Jeffrey Epstein's island following the release of documents that showed an alleged Epstein victim saying that she saw Clinton over there. Yeah, he had, he's flown. There are flight logs that show he has been on there 26 times. Do not let the deception, do not let the dark side deception deceive you, you see. Virginia Roberts Goffrey, 36, accused Epstein, who was convicted of soliciting prostitution of minor girls in 2018, of sexually assaulting assaulting her numerous times with the help of his one-time girlfriend, Ghislaine Maxwell. Goffrey told one lawyer that she remembered Clinton being being present on Epstein's plane. And there are pictures of him there. There are pictures of him on the plane. I just showed it for you guys. You can't deny that. Come on now. Come on now. But what are we really talking about here? Like in, a, in, a, in another way, what are we really, really talking about? We're talking about organized ownership of fellow humans. We're talking about human trafficking. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about people with in. Exorbitant, exorbitant amounts of money being able to do God knows what, but wanting that's the space and the time to do it. We're talking about human trafficking, child sex trafficking, prostitution. 
we are talking about the sickness, this, 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 this thing that powers society. It's one big club and you ain't in it. Like, like, uh, like the comment said right there, Jeffrey Epstein says that we're all in each other's pocket because it's not about the children. It's not about sex. It's about power. It's about control. It's about manipulation. How can they incriminate you so they can get you in their back pocket? How many of the politicians do you think that we are seeing today are already compromised and they're just being rolled out there? That's why we're hoping that these people have backbones and spines and are you know, able to think for themselves, but they can't and they won't because they're automatons, they're robots, they've been compromised. They are vessels there to carry out more of the agenda. It's only getting revealed. The pedo gate, the pizza gate, right? The child sex trafficking, the the Lolita Express, the little St. James Island. But what's so crazy is this is only like a portion of it. And I said this too, whenever Juneteenth had passed, I said, you know, slavery didn't end, it just evolved. Slavery didn't end, it just evolved. And what kind of world do we live in that actually encourages this type of behavior? that actually wants this type of culture to go on. Slavery has been going on since the Bible, no doubt. And it's still going on today. Don't let anything get you confused. But what is human trafficking about? What's going on there? We're not talking about illegal immigration, right? We're not talking about legal immigration. We're talking about organized trafficking of human beings for profit. I talked to you guys about that, right? How uh, in Canada, I give you guys like multiple different examples. In Canada, one guy lost custody of his kid. Uh, a cop is over here activating like a child porn network, right? In China, you know, they're taking Christian, they're taking babies from Christian parents. Like really think about human trafficking, the concept of it. We, 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 we commonly talk about the mark of the beast style system that you will neither buy nor that you will neither be able to buy nor sell without receiving the mark. But it says also, too, that in Revelation, in those end days, that they will uh, trade in men's souls, trafficking, trafficking human souls. That's where we're at right now. That's how much we regard life. I literally started this segment off playing for you a clip from the Satanic Temple talking about how they need abortions for their, as a part of their, religi- their, their protected religious culture. That's where we're at. And now you have Trump awarding more than $35 million to aid human trafficking survivors. This comes from Nima Harris over there at News Punch. They put this up August 4th. It says organizations that provide safe housing for survivors of human trafficking are to be given more than $35 million in the Justice Department grants thanks to the Trump administration. The grants are are to be announced at a White House event on Tuesday, which will be attended by Attorney General William Barr, Pres- uh, presidential advisor Ivanka Trump and other Trump administration officials as well as survivors of human trafficking and organizations that helped them. AP News reports that the $35 million in housing assistance grants for victims of human trafficking is being provided by the Office for Victims of Crime within the Justice, Pro- Justice Department's Office of Justice Programs to provide housing and services to human trafficking survivors. 
The grants will be shared by 73 organizations in 33 states to provide anywhere from 6 to 24 months of transitional or short-term housing assistance to survivors, including to pay rent, utilities, or related expenses, such as a security deposit, the White House said. The money can also be used to help victims find permanent housing, get a job, or receive occupational training and counseling. Ivanka Trump, a daughter of of President Donald Trump, said that the coronavirus pandemic has made safe and supportive housing for survivors more important than ever. She said many survivors had to live with their traffickers during stay-at-home orders around the country. Quote, the administration has heard these concerns and is responding by awarding leading nonprofit organizations the necessary funding to ensure that survivors have a stable place to live, Ivanka Trump said in a statement. Among organizations sharing the grants are Camila's House, Inc. in Miami, Alternatives for Girls in Detroit, and the Jordan Community Resource Center in Shaker Heights, Ohio. President Trump has sought to elevate human trafficking since taking office. In in January, he appointed a special advisor for the issue. So take care of the kids. Take care of the fallen. Take care of the ones that obviously keep getting forgot because people don't think of this as the real epidemic. They don't think about what happens to their kids. They don't, they don't drive down the street, look at these homeless and think, good Lord, this is somebody's daughter. This is somebody's son. This is somebody's child. How could this happen? You see what's happening right now. Yes. Revelation an unveiling is taking place. All of this stuff has been going on for quite some time. The question is, are we going to allow it to continue? Are we going to push back against this? Are we okay with this configuration? They say hard times create strong men. Strong men create good times. And good times create weak men. And weak men create hard times. And you get the cycle from then on. I think what's happening right now is we are leaving from a good time into a hard time. And these, and these good times that we've had has created weak men. And we're about to go into even harder times. And that's why we're going to start having to make even harder decisions. All of this is being revealed because we have a choice being laid out before us. And if you don't choose, even if you don't choose, it's still a decision. Your inaction is still an action. If you don't make that choice that you know is the right one. If you choose to keep going opposite of what you know is wholesome and what is right and what is decent then you've already made your choice you want to play that stupid game you win that stupid prize all that's happening right now is everything is being revealed and we are being made to, to choose to decide where we want to be what we want to take into our house and what we want to leave behind and that's why this falls on us to build something new on the ashes of everything that we're talking about right now. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Middle Class Mayhem, COVID Coercion, and Revealing the Sickness.
However, ladies and gentlemen, that's all I really have for you guys and gals. I know, as always, I went over a lot. But it's to give you that deep, comprehensive view of what the heck is really going on. We are up against people that want to erase history, manipulate the present, distort your mind, dehumanize you, have the ability to kill you and rob you of every single right. Yes, and they want your children too. So this is why we're coming at this the way that we do. This isn't normal. None of this is normal. Do not let them normalize all of this insanity. But like I said, ladies and gentlemen, that's all I really have for you guys and gals. If you have any questions, feel free to email me. I'll have it in the description bar below. And as always, guys and gals, stay vigilant. Expose lies and share truth. This is Noizera, Freedom Faction. Out. Join exclusive members.